Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and welcome to episode 68 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. Today we're going to break down Jaguars' Week 10 matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. It's finally here, two days away. I've been looking forward to this game since the schedule came out. Like Once the season got a little bit closer, I was getting a little bit more excited against the Ravens and the Bengals games, I think, just because of the quarterbacks that those two teams have, and they're both in the AFC. But again, since the schedule came out, like I've kind of been like circling this game on my own calendars just because the last time these two teams played was 2021. San, Fris- San Francisco came to town again. And they won 30 to 10. And the game started out with like a 13 minute opening drive by San Francisco when they kicked a field goal. And like, even though they ended with a field goal, like, you just knew from that first drive that it was like over before it started. Uh, Dude, I cover that game in person. I couldn't tell you a single recollection I have of it. I, I If you had told me they played in 2021, I was like, you sure? Yeah, I, I, I put that entire months of games deep inside a. Like a, a cavern inside my brain. Right. I would not, yeah. So, I, yeah, we got a little bit of a rematch this week. And obviously, these two teams look a lot different. Uh, the Jags have just, they have the same quarterback, but the team has gone a lot better around him. And then for the Niners, like, I feel like the team has been like about the same talent wise, but they have a different quarterback. Niners, man, they're 0 3 since Peter King puffed out his chest about, uh, the Ringers quarterback rankings. I that that that's what the Jaguars are on the right side of. They they have Trevor Lawrence hasn't been asked about the Ringers quarterback rankings. And the second that Gene does that, it's it's over, you know, for, for the season. So no, I, I I'm with you, man. I, I yeah. <laughs> Even the first question about it isn't bad, but like once he gets to his third follow up question about it, then we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm with you. Like this is a game like since the preseason, or circle, but I, I think especially how the season's gone, the Jaguars on a five-game winning streak at six and two. The Niners, they start. I, I think most people have them pegged as the best team in football, probably through the first month, five weeks of the season, especially yeah. after the Bills kind of started falling apart around week five. But they're in a skid, man. Last two games, I mean, they haven't scored more than seventeen points in any of the three games. Their defense has been so bad over the last month that. Steve Wilkes has gotten the dreaded, you know, come down from the, come down from the booth and get get next to me on the field and call these plays. Yeah, yeah, that, which is never, never a good like if if you get the Matt Canada treatment and <laughs> in week ten, it's not mm-hmm. a good sign. So they're when obviously Chris Taylor. He never moves when he was calling plays. No, no, doesn't have to man. He's got his finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. It, it it's definitely a game that. I'm not sure if the Jaguars themselves would call it a benchmark game because maybe they've matured a little bit past that. I felt like every every week last year that they played a team with a winning record was a benchmark game for them. Yeah. Whereas whereas now, you know, they feel like they're expected to be in these kind of games. I I, I definitely think it's a uh, looking at like the rest of the NFL slate, I think it's the most interesting game this week. I think it's one of the most interesting games the Jaguars play. And like I said, they're catching the 49ers at the right time. So they definitely have a chance to make a statement here because it it, it feels weird. Like it definitely feels like the Jaguars are like one of the least talked about six and two teams outside of like 
Pete Prisco and Mike Florio's power <laughs> rankings. I was gonna say, like, doing like a power ranking with like, like roundup for Big Cat Country the past few weeks, the past two weeks specifically, has been like the Jags will be like ranked in the top 10 by every national analyst and like ranked in the top six to eight by most of them. But then they're all like, this team is like low key pretty good. Like, look at their record over the last 15 or whatever games, but they play the Niners in week 10. So we'll just have to wait and see. So, like, I think it's 100% a benchmark game. And, like, Doug was asked about it on Monday, I think, and he's like, no, I wouldn't really say that. Like, we're, we just – we know it's a good team. We're just focusing on this week, yada, yada, yada. Like, he kind of, like, shut down the whole, like, benchmark narrative. But I think that's, like, 100% the case this week. If there's a narrative, Doug Peterson will squash it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that much. He's going to take a giant oversized toy hammer to it. I, I know that much. Don't go pushing your narratives here. Run past hey, race. There's a narrative this week. It might be a little uh, – revenge game for balky ball since he was over there for what the better part of a decade and was gm for the niners for six seasons i i just want to shout out friend of the show greg rosenthal with nfl media greg greg's awesome they're around the nfl podcast listened to it for years known greg the last couple of years uh he used balky ball on the mina kimen show and it it it, it was <laughs> one of the funniest things i've ever heard. it's canon now man it's yeah, dude, that was like the highlight of the season, let alone the week so far. If my request to any listener, lis, listener, what the hell, any listener out there, if the Jags win, there's potential with a bulky and Jed York Photoshop involving bulky ball. That's that's all I know. Okay, that, that's all I know. That's all I know. But might as well get into previewing the game before the master class. Jaguars offense versus 49ers defense. Like, the 49ers defense, it, it, like, coming into the week, still has the reputation of being, like, this, like, crazy unit. Mm-hmm. During their losing streak, it it hasn't been good. You know, they are you know, 29th in EPA per play among all defenses. 24th against the pass, 28th against the run. You know, just, I mean, 24th and success rate overall. They just have not played like the 49ers defense lately. And you'll still see them get hyped up pretty much weekly because it's Joey Bosa, Chase Young, Odie Carmstead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. Sorry. The good Bosa. My mistake. Fred Warner, Trey Greenlaw. So they'll still get hyped up weekly. And as they should, it's one of the most talented defenses in the league, like it seemed like Doug Peterson's eyes were ready to pop out of his head and he was going over <laughs> like the talented guys they have. But over the last three weeks, it just hasn't hasn't produced. And what it basically what are your thoughts on why that's been the case? And do you think the Jaguars can take advantage? Because this feels like a weak it's like a weakness versus weakness almost. Like the Jags running game versus the 49ers run defense. Like the Jags have had a bad running game. Right. But, between week six and nine, they have the second worst rushing attack by EPA per play. ETN, it's like it's been like fifteen, like two yard runs, and then like one twenty five yard touchdown that that's made, yeah. it makes everybody forget the previous like three and a half quarters. If they can avoid that type of game on Sunday, I think that's a major key to key to winning. For sure, I think like for the Niners, like what's gone wrong for them in the past three games is that their like front four line. And, like, pass rush just, like, hasn't held up as well as they wanted. Because I talked on – I think it was the last pod about – maybe two pods ago about how, like, Jacksonville doesn't really, like, need a pass rush relative to other teams like the Niners because they just, like – them and, like, the Jets are, like, the two examples I can think of off the top of my head where it's just, like, they've got four defensive linemen who have, like, their hands in the dirt and are going to, like, go get after the quarterback every, like – I mean, they, they do blitz some and, like, obviously switch it up some, but, like, their base defense is, like, rushing with four, coverage of seven. And so, like, just rushing with four just, like, didn't really get home for them as much as it should have in, like, that three-game losing streak. And, like, like I'm, I'm saying all this confidently, not because I've watched, like, any film or anything, but because, like, they made a trade for Chase Young. So that tells me that they, like, self-identified, like, the defensive line as a problem, even though, like, everyone in the country sees that as a strength. Um, so like, uh, Trevor and Doug and probably press were all asked this week about like preparing for Chase Young and Nick Bosa together. And they're like, well, I mean, we can go back to watch Washington film on Young, I guess, but 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see like what they look like for the first time. So obviously like <clears throat> Chase Young is gonna be a player to watch to see like whether he can like kind of single handedly fix the Niners defensive woes in a single week. And obviously like that's not gonna be the expectation for him, but that was also like kind of sort of why he was brought in or like he was brought in for help. So uh and then in terms of ETN and the running game, I've got some nice stats for you. Uh, ETN leads the league in carries per game and has the third more third most inside zone carries. 42 of his 151 attempts have been inside zone, which is 28% of all carries. So the Jags are like, I wouldn't say they major in any one running scheme, especially the way that like Shanahan's Niners majored in outside zone a couple years ago. But like inside zone is definitely like their favorite run and ETN's favorite run going back to Clemson. Uh, so like, going back to last season, like they've always wanted to be like more of an inside zone team than anything else, but then also do like power and gap and outside stuff like built off of that. Um, so ETN's getting like a lot of inside zone work and he's had like good volume stats with it, but isn't good efficiency yeah. wise among 48 running backs with 10 or more inside zone carries. ETN is 30th in EPA per play, 35th in success rate. Mm-hmm. 40th in runs uh, into the designated gap. So he's 40th out of 48 running backs out of like running into the correct gap, according to Sports Info Solutions. And I do think that's probably like more of an offensive line stat than a running back stat. Uh, so like I'm not really like for all these efficiency stats, like it's not really anything against him, but it's like a reflection of the running game in general. Yeah. Uh, but to wrap it up, against inside zone this season, the Niners are bottom 12 in EPA per play and success rate, and they're also bottom four in yards per carry allowed and first downs Ooh. allowed. Or first down rate allowed, technically. So long story short, like the Jags like inside zone, and they've been trying to use inside zone going back to last season uh, and haven't, haven't been super successful with it. And like obviously there's been a lot of – moving pieces with the offensive line and we'll see whether Walker little starts at left guard this week and kind of holds that job for the rest of the season. But like specifically like look out for inside run, inside zone runs by the Jaguars and how the Niners are able to defend it. Cause if they don't defend it well, then like I almost feel like it's like pretty much game over. Cause then if you're like cooking on the run, then you'll eventually be able to like cook with passes. And like, apparently the like, key to success from like according to Niners people for against the Niners is to like establish the run and then use play action over that just because the I get like Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw are crazy good but I guess they've been a little bit susceptible to play action this year so if they can really get running uh specifically with inside zone then like that'll open up pretty much everything else for the offense yeah I feel like their defense in general especially inside like they're just trying to get upfield. You know, it's not like the Jaguars defense where they're trying to like two gap and basically hold the point of attack. Like they're trying to, you know, kind of like the Jaguars in 2017 when Malik Jackson, like he's literally just trying to get upfield every single play as three technique. It, I don't know, man. Maybe the true bulky ball is that bulky started pouring those resources into the defensive line with Arik Armstead, DeForest Buckner. Maybe it was all a ploy to run inside zone about a decade later <laughs> in, a, in a week 10 game. I, I do think it's interesting that uh, last year against when the Niners lost to the Eagles in the playoffs, they got gashed by, I, I'll call it more just like inside runs than like inside zone specifically. But the Eagles like killed them on the ground. And like obviously yeah. the Niners didn't really have a hope because their quarterback situation, but like they weren't able to get any defensive stops either. And a big reason is because they had Kinlaw in the game a lot and he's like still an ascending young player but he was just like getting gashed in the run so then they go out and sign Javon Hargrave from the Eagles but like they have the same problem where like Hargrave is one of those guys like you said where he's like shooting up the field I think Ramon's a pass rusher yeah so like it's like they like got in like this new defensive tackle but like it didn't necessarily like fix the problem so it's interesting it definitely I feel like a big problem with the Jaguars since Peterson got there. Like the running game, in my opinion, hasn't been good, you know, since this regime got here, despite obviously some of the explosive plays. I feel like a big problem has been they haven't been able to take advantage of bad rush defenses. Like the only game I can think of this year where they really did that was 
Houston in week three, I guess. ETN, that was probably like his only like real efficient game of the season. Yeah. I'm interested to see like I if like the offensive line can take advantage of a reeling run defense because that's what a good team and a good offense needs to obviously be able to do. And I really think a lot of their issues in general are based on the fact that, you know, they kind of almost have to be one dimensional at times, like to move the ball because like, it's like they keep like banging their head against a wall with the running game, you know, like it's not for a lack of trying, like they definitely try to establish it every week. It just, it, it doesn't get established. So I'm interested to see if, you know, that changes this week at all. Because you're right, you know, it's mostly a four-man rush with the 49ers. According to SIS, they rank ninth in four-man rush, like, usage. But they're 24th in success rank. So that, that goes ahead and tells you, you know, like, they do it a lot, but it just hasn't been working lately. Like, for the passing game, I think, I think you can neutralize edge rushers with, like, a quick-hitting passing game. Obviously, that's what the Jaguars have tried to do this year to kind of help, you know, Anton Harrison a bit. You know, they, they I, I don't have it in front of me, but Lawrence has to have one of the quickest time to throws in the NFL this season. My concern is a part of that is getting guys like Ingram and Kirk involved, especially over the middle, those crossing routes and stuff. I don't think you can do that against this team. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I think, like, Asking Kirk to work the middle against like Greenlaw and Fred Warner is like a dangerous and like irresponsible ask. <laughs> I, 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 and like the 49ers, other than TJ Hawkinson, they've been really good against tight ends this year. I feel like this is a game the Jaguars, you know, if Zay Jones doesn't play, I don't know if he will. He's been, lim- been limited each day this week so far, Wednesday and Thursday. It's the first time since week five he's been on the practice field. So that's at least a, a plus sign. And a big thing with Peterson and like since I've covered him is if you don't practice during the week, you're not going to play. So the fact that he's limited does give him at least like a chance. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't play, like I feel like this is a week that you need to beat the 49ers, you know, outside. And if he doesn't play and they can just devote everything to Calvin Ridley, I think it could be tough sledding for the passing game. Yeah, I think it definitely like <clears throat> needs to be a Calvin Ridley week. I feel like I say that every week. But you do. <laughs> you absolutely do. But it's got to be a Calvin Ridley week because I agree with you that, like, I don't think Engram and Kirk are going to, like, find a lot over the middle of the field. I feel like the Niners probably aren't as good as they have been in years past, but they're still really good at just, like, rallying to the ball and being able to, like, do what the Jags have been good at this season, which is, like, allow short passes, but then, like, rally immediately and let up, like, minimal yards after the catch. So, like, I. I think, like, Engram and Kirk will still get, like, theirs in terms of, like, targets and receptions. But then, like, I don't know how much yak we're really going to see out of either of them. Uh, and, like, I feel like the – we talked a little about, about, like, inside runs and, and then play action off of that. But I think the true weakness of the defense for the Niners is their secondary. They've got uh, – they've got one good corner. I want to say Sneed, but he's in the Chiefs. Yeah. No. <laughs> Who do they have? Do you know? Jardavius Ward? Mm. Ridley was asked about someone. Oh boy, Niners! You're right. You're right. The Ward is a starter. I just are we calling him good? I mean, is it? Is there anyone else that the he would Ridley would have asked about? Le, Lenore. I, I'm not going to pronounce try to pronounce his name. Yeah, that's yeah, the no. last name. Too. I don't even know how to start with the first name. Yeah, no. I mean, then at safety they have obviously Gibson and. Hafunga. Hafunga is like a fun player, but he's like a strictly a box safety. And then Gibson. Right. It's kind of wild that Gibson's like still starting. <laughs> Honestly. It is wild. I think he was, he's was he been like solid though. But so really was asked about Chardavius Ward and he was like, yeah, he's like a good player. It'll be a tough matchup. And he's just like a physical like press corner. I don't know how much press he does actually. But he's like a physical man corner. Um, So like it's going to be a big, like, kind of prove it game for Ridley, I feel like, because he's a little, struggled a little bit with, like, physicality in the first half of the season. And, like, I'm willing to chalk up some of that to just, like, rust and, like, getting back into, like, NFL mode or whatever. Yeah. But, like, he, he can't really get, like, pushed around this game. He needs to be the one that's doing the pushing around. 
Yeah, so the 49ers, like, they have ran zone on 63% of their plays, man on 24, but their success rank is better a little bit in zone than it is a man. ESPN had yesterday from next gen. Trevor Lawrence is first in QBR, second in completion percentage, and tied for second in touchdown interception ratio against zone. So I I feel like it's like a good matchup for Trevor in terms of the looks he'll see, but I'm not so sure about how the skill guys come through. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a week that you see more 12 and 13 personnel and they try to manufacture like max protection and deep shots off, you know, play action, which like you said, you know, you, you need the running game to get rolling. So I fully expect them to come out the gates, like uh, trying to get ETN going and like some facet. Yeah. We'll get to McCaffrey in a second, but I think for both offenses, like the running back is the key and like how good of a game the running back has is like, what's going to determine the game. I hope they have a two a game plan and the ball's out of his hand in less than two seconds so I can have a Nick Bosa agenda. <laughs> just show my ass. Yeah, that's really what's gonna happen. It's funny because like even like Jacksonville's like deep shots, like the ETN touchdown uh in, against Pittsburgh and then like the throw to Kirk down the left sideline where like Lawrence was like hit in the chest as he was throwing it. Like both of those plays are like like ball is out in like two seconds. Like Lawrence basically like drops back on his back foot and like maybe took a half hitch. Yeah. But ball is out. Ball's getting out like super quickly, even on like their deep plays. So it's interesting because I feel like Ridley would be better if like plays had a little bit more time to develop. Um, and like he's just like he needs to get open like so quickly and like yeah. he can, but like his his life would just be a little bit easier if like offensive line bought the quarterback and then him like another half second or second to be able to get open would I feel like really open up the offense but this week yeah I think it'll be for sure the the two of game plan with a ton of quick passes yeah no I'm I'm with you completely well we got anything else on offense versus defense nah (laughs) okay we'll go break real quick for our ads and we'll come back Break down the defense. All right, Gus. Big week for Mike Caldwell, man. It this is like this is the week if the Jaguars defense plays well that Mike Caldwell will, in my opinion, start to get his national flowers a little bit. Cause you I don't think you've seen it a lot out there. I I, I really yeah, no. So I, I, I think this week, if they can, you know, handle this 49er scheme and the players that they have on offense, this is the week that you, you know, you start to see more respect for Mike Caldwell. <laughs> he, it, it was funny. I asked him yesterday, like, what is it about the scheme that makes it so tough every week? And he just goes, the players. Like, yeah, the 49ers, they obviously do a lot of things schematically, especially in the run game and the play-action game to set things up. But, I mean, you break it down, and, I mean, he's right, man. It's Christian McCaffrey. It's George Kittle. It's Brandon Ayuk. It's Debo Samuel. It's, when he's healthy, the best left tackle of the century. <laughs> you know, Trent Williams. <laughs> it's it, it, it is probably the most talented offense in terms of just pure skill level the Jaguars will face this season, I think. And that's – Crazy considering they play, you know, Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow later this year. And I I think they have a complete the, – the 49ers have a complete NPC at quarterback, but it's still the best offense skill-wise the Jaguars are going to say. Yeah, I mean, Rayshon Jenkins said this week, maybe it was last week, that the Niners have the best, like, skill position players of the most talented offense uh, in his that he's ever seen in his seven-year career outside of the Chiefs when they had Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So, like – that tells you all you really need to know. And like, I also like, like Caldwell made a point uh, about like the like positionless football that the Niners kind of run. Cause like there was a huge, everyone was like nerding out when the Panthers originally got McCaffrey because like, Oh, you can line up McCaffrey at receiver. You can line up Debo at running back. You can line up uh, the fullback in the tight end, tight end, like wherever in formation, like you, you can plug and chug so many like different spaces for all these different, talented guys uh so like Caldwell kind of mentioned that yesterday of like yeah they're all really talented but they're like they always like 
line up all over the place and you kind of have to like just obviously keep an eye on them i guess uh and so Debo is out the last one or at least the last game if not the last two or three games it seems uh, like he's trending toward it, it definitely seems like he's trending i think he might have like i think he got a practice in last week uh like even though the niners had a buy but yeah he's definitely trending in the right direction i think trent williams and our left guard whose name is slipping my mind uh they're both like Probably like 50-50 like toss-ups to play, I would say. Yeah. So, um, Williams is like really interesting because like he was limited yesterday, but Shanahan looked like a ghost when he was talking about him on Wednesday. So, I was like, well, is it like something more going on with his ankle? And he's like, has to be. <laughs> yeah, he's and like, like he, you know, it's going to take a while for us to figure out what's going on. Or like and he missed, he missed two games with an ankle sprain last year on the same ankle. So it's like not a new injury for him. Yeah, that's tough. So it that's to me is I know Zay Jones is obviously a big injury to watch for the Jaguars, but to me, Trent Williams is the injury to watch because you know Jalen Moore hasn't been bad like in his place. You know, he's a third year, uh, I don't know, fourth year offensive tackle. That it took in like the third or fourth round a couple of years ago. He's only allowed three pressures and you know the two games filling in for him. But Josh Allen, 85% of his snaps come lined up over, you know, the left side of the offense. So if Trent Williams doesn't play, it's Josh Allen versus a backup all game. And regardless of how you scheme your offense, that's a you know advantage for the Jaguars. That's obviously pretty significant considering Allen's been one their best probably overall player and two like he he's one of the best edge rushers in the nfl at forcing takeaways too like pressures leading to takeaways whether mm-hmm. it's a strip sack or you know an interception you, you go back to the kansas city game andre cisco's interception happens basically because of a josh allen quarterback hit yeah that's the injury i'm really looking at all week because i think for as much as the 49ers can kind of scheme around some things i really think that Trent Williams' injury has been one of the bigger reasons their offense has struggled the last two weeks. Yeah. So if if he doesn't play, I I feel like that's a matchup the Jaguars, you know, one have to love and two have to take advantage of. Totally. Either way, I'm really excited to see like what the Jaguars is plan uh, for pass rushes because they've been blitzing a little bit more than they were last year. But last year, like even when they were blitzing, I felt like it was like five-man blitzes at the most, and they were still getting a decent amount of guys into coverage. And this year, it seems like when they blitz, they send another body or two because I think they have more confidence in, like, the secondary holding up in the back end. Uh, But Brock Purdy has been, like, surprisingly good against the blitz this year. And, like, usually, like, whether you're you're good against the blitz or not is, like, a pretty good mark for, like, whether you're an elite quarterback. Like, maybe it's probably not, like, the best mark, but, like, if you can like consistently like figure out how to beat blitzes enough that like teams stop blitzing you and out at all, like which which has happened for like Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen at this point, uh, then that like makes it a lot easier for the offense. And so <clears throat> I'm interested to see because I feel like for the Niners, it's like their skill position players are so good that like Purdy just like makes the right decision and then like gets it up and like the Niners players are able to win like one-on-one with uh, like the defense sending a blitz. So I'm interested to see whether the Jaguars, like because they've especially been blitzing like bad quarterbacks, like non-Josh Allen quarterbacks or non-Patrick Mahomes quarterbacks. So I'm interested to see like when they do get the Niners into third long situations, if they're going to like send a house against Purdy or if they're going to like back off. Yeah. It, to me, like this is such an interesting like chess math that's going to be is like, the Niners live in 21 and 22 personnel. You know, they're number two in the NFL in usage rank of 21 personnel. They're number one in usage rank of 22 personnel. You know, they, they use, you know, 21 on 39% of plays. They use 11 on 37% of plays, which is 31st in usage. Like, it sounds like a big number, but, like, very few teams are lining up in 11 personnel, like the 49ers. Coincidentally, you know, according to Summer Sports, Sumer Sports, I don't know, the the formation the Jaguars defense has been worse against on an EPA per play basis this year has been 11 personnel. And mm. they've thrived against 21 and 22 personnel. They're like top 
five against an EPA. I think they're number five and against 21 and number eight against 22 personnel. They've seen like 11 snaps of 22 personnel all year. And I think 39 snaps of, of 21 personnel a year. So limited sample size, but like this Jaguars defense has been built to stop, you know, 21 and 22 personnel because, you know, they love playing base. They live to stop the run. The one like for like formation they've been probably average in has been when teams, you know, live in 11 personnel and the 49ers choose as a team do not do that. So I'm, I'm interested in the chess match, you know, seeing who cracks first, you know, the 49ers offense or the Jaguars defense, because it kind of feels like to win one side will have to get outside of their comfort zone a little bit. Like maybe the 49ers about to run 11 personnel a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it, like Caldwell versus Shanahan to me, I'm, I'm fascinated to see really how he attacks them. And then, you know, how effective overall the defense can be against, you know, this 49ers offense because, I mean, number five in success rate in 21 personnel, number 12 in success rate in 22 personnel. I mean, they, they just pretty much everything they do, you know, has worked to some extent. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see, you know, how Mike Caldwell adjusts for them. And then, you know, the two tight end looks, you know, San Francisco doesn't do those as much. They rank 27th in terms of usage, but they're the number one 12 personnel team in success rate. The Jaguars are the number one, you know, defense in EPA against 12 personnel. So it's, it's just a cool matchup on paper because it seems like it's strength against strength. Totally. Yeah. I'm excited. This is going to be a, it'll be a nice game for Devon Hamilton to like, uh, I don't know, be back at full strength, which is obviously, like, way too much to ask from him. But he played against Pittsburgh, and he had, like, 14 snaps. And he didn't look bad, but he didn't, like, record any statistics or, like, really do much on film. So I'm interested to see, like, how much his snap count, like, goes up and how effective he is on those snaps. Uh, Because, obviously, him and then Foley Patikazi and Roy Robertson-Harris, as they've been doing all year, are, like, kind of the keys to the defense. Because... Like, for the Niners, you want to be able to, like, contain McCaffrey in the run game and just, like, yeah. get into as many third-down situations as possible. And that's, like, Jacksonville's kind of, like, goal or key to success in general. But I think, like, that especially makes a lot of sense this week against a quarterback like Brock Purdy. Man, I feel like this week will also be the week, like, we've talked about the Jaguars linebackers a lot this year and, like, how we – how we think they've been like one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL. Like this, this will be the week I feel like I'll tell you just how yeah. good they're really playing. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, between Kittle and the passing game and then McCaffrey, I, I'm not sure there really is a way to stop McCaffrey other than like the bludgeon, their offensive line, but I'll never forget. And I'm really glad he's bounced back from it. You remember the Panthers versus Jaguars in 2019, Quincy Williams against McCaffrey. I mean, it, I remember McCaffrey going off. I don't remember what Quincy Williams did. Even Ruiz has like a like a clips the out there. Game? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. From it's like there was like four or five different plays where he just made Williams look absolutely like like he was playing a different sport. And Williams has obviously bounced back from it and become one of the better linebackers in the NFL. But yeah. that's what McCaffrey like can do to teams. Like when you get him in space, he can just make your linebackers look terrible. So obviously the key is to not let him get in space, but when he does, I'm interested to see what happens with the Jaguars linebackers. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the Saints game because I think Kamara finished the game with like 14 catches or something ridiculous. Maybe he had 14 targets, but he really only broke like one or two of them for a long game. Uh, I feel like he probably only had like two or three first downs total of like all those checkdowns. And so like in general, the Jags did a really good job of like rallying to the ball and getting him down quickly with minimal yards after the catch. But there was definitely one in, like, I think it was their first drive of the second half where, like, Kamara just caught a check down and then basically, like, ran around Foyer up the sideline for, like, a 30-yard gain on, like, a three-yard pass. So, yeah. as long as, like, they don't give up, like, plays like that, then I think they'll be okay. But, obviously, that's easier said than done since McCaffrey is, like, I don't think anyone would say he's not the best running back in the league right now. Yeah, no, 100%. And I feel like that's the big thing that the Jaguars defense in general, like, I mean, you look at, you know, Ayuk and Devo, 
like they 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 can't allow like a lot of yards after catch, you know, like this weekend. I feel like that's something that they haven't been great at, you know, this year. Like it, I, I I think like up until the Saints game, they were like number one in like yards after catch allowed, like among all defense, like like bad number one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like worse. Yeah. I I think they have cleaned it up in recent weeks. Like I think like the Chiefs game, the Texans game, like there was so much so many ugly moments that came out of the first couple of weeks of the season that I think they were like horrific to start the season. And now they're like having like completely cleaned up their act, but they've gotten like a little bit better. So I guess we'll see whether they prove me right or not against the Niners. I mean, is that the key to stopping Debo and Ayuk? Like, like basically like they're going to get theirs. Just hope that you can limit what they do after the catch basically yeah i think you gotta flood the middle of the field and like get an interception or three off of uh party because there's gonna be plenty of plays where it's like he like does the play action like uh tries to throw like an immediate pass over the middle of the field to like debo on a slant or are you gonna dig or something like that and like sometimes in like the niners offense like the quarterbacks will just like throw those routes almost blindly so like if like Devin Lloyd needs to get an interception. That'll be that's one of my takes this week. Devin Lloyd gets a pick in this game. He's Pe- due for people. People absolutely think Brock Purdy is like a super safe quarterback who never like puts the ball in harm's way, right? Yeah, but like he's it's very much not the case. <laughs> he's he's, he's turnover worthy play. Yeah, so like a, a P, per PFF among quarterbacks with at least seventy five. Oh, yeah, with seventy five dropbacks. Only Mac Jones, Desmond Ritter, Gardner Minshew, Tyson Baguette, and PJ Walker. I know that's not, not his name, but PJ Walker <laughs> have a higher turnover worthy play percentage. Yeah, Brock Purdy, like he has a higher turnover worthy play percentage than Daniel Jones this year. Then, you know, Will Levis and Aiden O'Connell. You know, I, I, on the year, you know, he's six in volume turnover worthy plays. You know, it, it's ahead of Patrick Mahomes, who's always been like a big, like turnover worthy play. Like guys, it's ahead of Herbert. Like he he puts the ball in harm's way. One with, like you said, like he feels like he just blindly throws it over the middle and expects guys to be there. And then two, he fumbles a good bit. You know, mm-hmm. and fumbles play a part in turnover worthy plays. That shows you, like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he fumbles a good bit, but. He doesn't turn it over at the same rate that Brock Purdy does, or at least put the ball in harm's way. And I know some people hate turnover worthy play, and they're like, "Well, if they didn't intercept it, it's not a like no." Like eventually, it's going to regress to the mean, which is what's right. happened the last three weeks. Like, yeah, Brock Purdy was always throwing these balloons to defenses this year, but for the first five weeks, nobody was catching them. In the last three weeks, defenses have started to catch them. So, I'm with you. That's definitely where the Jaguars' defense needs to take advantage this week is that tur- like turnover opportunities will absolutely be there, but you have to convert them. For sure. They still lead the league in turnovers with 18 right now, which I was thinking about your point on the last pod that like they're, I think they're up to, they went from number four to number three over the weekend in both EPA per play allowed and defensive DVOA. And that's definitely helped out a lot by the turnovers, but there's also a stat that I saw where they're like forced the fifth highest rate of uh, three and outs. So like, like yeah, the turnovers definitely help, but like it doesn't mean that it's like a fake yeah. offense or a they, fake defense. I think like the one stat that they're like middling in is like yards per play allowed. They're like seventeenth or eighteenth or something like that. But like all their per drive stats are really good. You know, Daniel Griffiths, uh, one of our writers at Jaguar Park, puts out like per drive stats for the defense weekly. He posts them the other day. They're all fantastic, pretty much. So. Um, sure, they would be even better with like clutch time or garbage time filtered out because, like, yeah, the I know in the in their five game winning streak, the Jags have allowed twenty two total first half points, so that's like four point two per game or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you got anything else on the defense, my friend? Now let's get to get to some predictions. At this ad. All right, guys. Okay, John. Before you get into your predictions, my hot take. Okay. 
my hot take is that Travis Etienne will have more yards from scrimmage than Brock Purdy on Sunday. Ooh, yeah, I like it. Okay, for Brock, are we going to count sack yards against him? I think that's I was I wasn't, but now I am. Yeah, no, well, we can do that for you. All right, I'm gonna yeah. write that down, and because that's that's a good one, and we'll see if we remember to bring it up next week. Oh, I'll remember. I'll remember. I'll remember if I'm right. If 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 it doesn't happen, I didn't say it. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. All right, I have a take, and it's probably more ridiculous than anything else, but. The Jaguars should trade Walker Little to the Niners in the offseason for Brandon Nayuk. Maybe not straight up. I don't like I don't know how that would work. I haven't really thought too much about what it would look like. Maybe the Jags would have to throw in a pick or something. But I mean for the Niners, it's like Trent Williams, as you said, like such an awesome player and like best tackle of his generation. But he's also been dealing with this ankle sprain or ankle injury and so the Niners he's also I think 35 so the Niners are definitely gonna have to like look to the future for that position at some point and then like they they just have so many guys to pay between Debo and Nick Bosa and McCaffrey and Kittle like most of the guys already have been paid but like they're just the type of team that has so much talent that like some of it's gonna have to leave the building and so I you hasn't signed a deal yet. He's on the last year of his contract. And like if I had to guess, I would guess that Ridley would be back next season. But I don't think that's like a sure bet at all. And like honestly the only wide receiver I'm willing to bet that is going to return next season is Christian Kirk. So if like the Jags want to move on and like keep Cam Robinson at the left tackle spot and they're comfortable with that. And then like they have to use a franchise tag on Josh Allen, which leaves Ridley to walk. I don't know. I'm definitely doing a lot of galaxy braining here, but I just thought that like Ayuk for Little would be a fun potential swap. I don't know Jaguars fans would hate that or love it. They should love it because Ayuk is filthy. Yeah. I think I think that's like part of the reason that the trade would like hypothetically work out is because like I I, I don't think like a team would want to give up like a ton of capital for Walker Little because even though he was drafted highly and has looked good in his appearances, he just hasn't gotten a lot of appearances. Uh, But like, even though Ayuk looks incredible, uh, just from like being in the Niners offense with a quarterback who's an NPC and then like surrounded by a bunch of other skill players, like his production numbers like aren't as good as what they could be. And so like, I don't think, I'm just like assuming that the whatever contract that he signs next like isn't going to be as much as like he might actually be worth. I, in a way, I see the vision because I absolutely do not believe that Trent Baalke would want to spend a high draft pick on a wide receiver. I, <laughs> I think the AJ Chicken thing will probably scar him like for life, like moving into all future drafts. So in a way, I see the vision. I. So like, a, lot of moving, a lot of moving parts on that one. Yeah, so like like you said, like drafting a receiver early doesn't really seem like his DNA. And then like you can't like Christian Kirk was like a rarity in terms of the fact that they like spent a lot of money on a free agent wide receiver and like it paid off for them. Uh, like usually like or I mean like good wide receivers like pretty much never hit the market. So that was like. Again, just like a rare it, thing that happened. So, and for as good as he is, they still had to overpay like the market, like to get him. True. So, yeah. like T. Higgins has been kind of been like the number one trade target to keep an eye on for years now. We'll see what happens with him in Cincinnati, but I think Brandon Ayuk is another interesting one to watch. My prediction is that T. Higgins' career gets ruined and he becomes a Carolina Panther after this year. <sighs> you think they're just. Oh. That's a good take because they're they're okay. just gonna give them a, a massive bag because they like need a receiver for Bryce. That's what you're hey, da- David Tepper is gonna do some very, <laughs> very irrational and very off the cuff things. He he looked disgusted last. I mean, I I, I was disgusted. I, I I I'm I'm excited for us to preview Panthers week. I'm a I'm a dude. I was doing a like short preview for the game last night. I was like, the Bears rank last in sack rate and first in like. Or they've allowed the most, the highest passing touchdown rate in the league, and have generated the lowest sack rate. So I was like, if there's ever a time to look like the number one overall pick, it was last night. But 
bad. It's like Sad. it's worse than you would think. Like yeah. if you just like heard like oh the first overall pick isn't playing well, you'd be like oh okay. But then like when you actually watch it, yeah, it's it's Zach Wilson bad. Like Zach Wilson rookie year bad in my opinion. So I'm it's I'm like, excited. For, I'm excited. I just like the kind of kid that like you like would want to root for as a person though. So it, just, it kind of sucks from that standpoint. You well. Yeah, but and also we're a little biased for rooting for him because he's such a such a little guy out there. Yeah, you know? that's, so, that's probably part of it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I don't, so. know, I don't know how bad I'd be feeling if like CJ Stroud like didn't pan out, even if he like wasn't in the Jags division. I'd yeah. Be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you, you got any locks for us this week before we give our game predictions? I I got a couple for you. I got Calvin Ridley over receptions. Four and a half. Yeah, I was like, it's- yeah. I got Evan Ingram over receptions at five. I don't think it'll be a big yardage week, but I think he'll definitely get like some of those like checkdowns and stuff. Like, right. he, like last five weeks, he has 10 catches, five catches, seven catches, four catches, seven catches. Like, he's getting the ball, you know, at a high clip. Mm-hmm. I got Chavez Etienne over half a touchdown. So to find the end zone. And also over on ETN rush attempts at 16 and a half. And then I don't know. I feel like I feel like it'd be smart to go over on Lawrence rushing yards at 16 and a half. I feel like this is a week you maybe see him hit a hit a long scramble. Yeah, I like that one. Uh I what, think what, what Ridley prop do you have for us? I, I had four and a half as well. Cause I was yeah. like I was expecting the I was expecting it to be like five or five and a half, so I was a little surprised. I definitely wanted to pick between yards and catches, and I think over four point five yards. Is Earlier in the year, it was like six and a half. And seven and a half. <laughs> yeah, man, seven and a half is crazy for even like a Jamar Chase. That's wild. Yeah. Um, I heard that uh, like Brandon Ayuk and Devo Samuel have pretty similar splits to like what we talk about with Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley and like man versus zone, where apparently like Ayuk is like more of the man beater and Debo's mm-hmm. more of the zone beater and the Jags run. I think the third highest rate of zone this year. They're definitely yeah, more they, they don't run much man at all. Yeah. So for that reason, I, I'm not gonna like I just talked about how good I think Ayuk is, so I'm not gonna take his under. But I would take the Debo over for either receiving yards or like rushing plus receiving yards. It's 46 and a half receiving yards or 60 and a half rushing plus receiving yards. And then I also like uh, Ridley over. Oh, I just lost it. Ridley over four and a half catches. Etn over literally anything, and then Christian Kirk over fifty three and a half yards. Because like, I think it's gonna be more of a Ridley week, but like I don't know. Kirk has gone like one or two like deep catches like the past few games. I feel like, and so I think like they're gonna like scheme something up for him. I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like you're definitely gonna see him catch one or two of those like deep overs. Yeah, exactly. I think I think like it would be like I so I like Kirk's catching over or no, I like Kirk's receiving over, but not really his catching over. And then I like Ridley's catching over, but not really his receiving over, which we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> I hope it works out the complete opposite way. I I, I I sincerely hope it does. I I, I do. Well, it's just going to be like they're going to get like it's going to be a mixed bag and it's it's gonna be ugly for sure. But then my last one is like either Devin Lloyd to get an interception, which I don't know if you can actually find that anywhere. But more realistically, Brock Purdy's thrown interception is my last one. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I wish you could find that somewhere. I'd go like Devin Lloyd or if Cisco plays, I feel like Cisco's getting an interception. I, mean, I think interceptions are just like not common enough that like because like for most props, it's like oh like you're either gonna get over. 0.25 sacks or over 0.5 sacks because you can yeah. record a half sack in like any given game. But like, I don't know, it's tough to get. Obviously, you can't get half an interception. And so, oh, contraire. Your <laughs> interceptions. You'd need like some pretty boosted odds or whatever. So I feel like fun. Devin Lloyd's gotten like half interceptions like four times. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I feel like those count. Yeah, we should we should call prize picks and be like, yeah, you should be putting like 0.25 interceptions up there so we can take yeah. the over. And then when it hits his hands and 
bounces to the dirt, then we can yeah. collect the money. <laughs> yeah, that's not a pass breakup. That's half a pick. <laughs> I like yeah. that. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Well, we, we've talked a big game. Go ahead and give me the score prediction. Let's hear it. I have 20 to 17 Jaguars. The oh, total no. last time I saw was 45, and I think it will like, barely go under. I think I would have taken the Niners at a neutral site and if they were fully healthy. But, like, honestly, like, the Trent Williams thing, like, scares me a lot from the Niners' perspective, especially with with the way that Josh Allen has been playing this season. Like, the Saints game is a pretty good example of, like, them having a left a sure. backup left tackle in there and then, like, the opposing offense just, like, being super sure. limited because of that. So, like, even if Trent Williams does play, like, maybe the left guard doesn't play, or even if they both play, like, I doubt they're going to be fully healthy. We um, forgot to mention Aaron Banks has been hurt. <laughs> they might not have their entire left side. Of the line. So they, yeah, 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 the left guard, yeah. They might not have the entire starting left side of the line. <laughs> right. And so, like, because of that stuff, I, I think it will be a close game. And then I just, like, not even me personally, but, like, I feel like nationally, like, everyone should have more trust in Doug to, like, win a close game in the fourth quarter than Kyle Shanahan. No, and that's the thing. Like, you look at, like, the Jaguar scores with Doug. Other than two games in that entire tenure, they've been in every single game or they've won the game. The, the Detroit game last year and the Texans game this year. Otherwise, literally every game, it's either a win or, you know, a loss by one possession. So, I definitely think that they're in the game. I'm going 23-16 Jaguars. I mm. – I, I don't think they score, like, a lot of touchdowns, but I think that the defense sets them up in favorable field position for some field goals. I, I'm i with you. I don't think Trent Williams plays, and I think they they are the kind of defense that will take advantage of Brock Purdy being kind of a turnover magnet. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. You, you said on the last one that, like, you were going to say the Niners scored 16 regardless. <laughs> That's the entire reason I'm saying it. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it's, like, really easy to, like, pinpoint, like, how many points one team is going to score, and then you just got to, like, figure out what the other team is going to do. I'm definitely with you that that's what the case is this week, where it's, like, I think the Niners are going to score, like, I mean, I said they were going to score 17, so we're, like, on the same page. And then it's just a matter of whether the Jags are going to, like, continue to shoot themselves in the foot in the red zone or if they're going to be able to execute well enough to pull out the win. I would have said 17 if I didn't remember I was doing a bit. So. <laughs> 23 16 that's a i like that that's a good score prediction yeah thank you yes. gus before we go since i got questions on it have you read the plot to deliverance since we last recorded i've read enough of it <laughs> i'll say that we're not gonna use that quote again yeah I, it's funny because i thought i knew like i thought <laughs> i thought i knew i did not know you don't know you don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like I don't know. Just looking like ahead, like obviously to Sunday, like you said, this is one of the games like in my like five year like career of the Jaguars. I'm looking forward most like the covering. I like Kansas City at Arrowhead last year. Obviously takes the cake. Then yeah. the Chargers playoff game, the Titans like quasi like like AFC South title game in Week 18. And then I think it's this game right right behind them. Like, I just – regardless of what the Jaguars say, like, this might not be a – like, there's a scenario where the Jaguars lose a close game, and obviously people are hitting the panic button, the sky is falling for fans because it, the NFL for fans is a week-to-week league, and one week you're on top of the world, and one week, you know, 31 teams are better than your team. But, like, I, I think it's a very real scenario where the Jaguars lose a close game look like they belong, everything's fine. But, like, if they want to, like, start getting some of, like, the respect that maybe they don't think they get nationally, like, this is the week to come through. You know, like, I I think this a win now would do more for them than a win against the Chiefs in week two would have did in that case. And obviously would would do too early. Good for them for losing that game. Yeah. Good point. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were playing. They were playing the take game. They, they know. Rule one of the NFL: don't peak too early. Peak at the right time. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's definitely. I, 
I'm interested to see like whether they get respect after this game. Like I could see them like winning like 23 to 16 and then like Brock Purdy throws like two interceptions, loses a fumble. And so like then people are like, oh yeah, like the Jags won, but it seemed more like the Niners lost than the Jags won. Like I, I could totally see like the Jags having like a pretty solid win, but then like still okay. not getting any respect. I'm I'm not gonna say I would disagree with the the chance to take a victory lap on Brock Purdy. So I'm I'm perfectly okay with that outcome too, yeah. to be frank. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost wonder if like the team prefers that though, because like they like like every NFL team like you likes to have like, a little chip on their shoulder what? to a certain extent. Like even what? Lawrence was saying, I forget it was on if it was on the Manning cast or if it was in a media availability like after the Manning cast, but he was like, Yeah, no, I keep receipts. There's like stuff that motivates me. I, on the Manning cast, Peyton said he used to make up fake quotes from the other yeah. teams. <laughs> that, was about to say. that was awesome. That was honestly like probably the best line from the whole night. Yeah. That was funny. Well, there weren't many to choose from. No. That's <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, like, I don't know if like – I wonder if like the disrespect would almost be like better because like obviously it would be nice to get a little pat on the back. But like – the way that they were talking about, like, oh, like, we got to, like, get out of Jacksonville early in the season and, like, get out of our own heads. Like, maybe they don't even want that much praise. Yeah, and everybody killed them for that. I remember everybody was slamming them. They were right. You know, it's like – Five wins in five different stadiums. Some, That's a cool stat. I, I don't know if I've heard that one before. But it makes no sense that they're not better at home. And, like, last year they were, what, four and four at home? Yeah. No, they were five. They were five and three at home because I hate it, dude. Whenever you look at the home records, like for me, I I, I refuse to ever count a London game as home. Like when looking yeah. at splits and stuff like that. So yeah. whenever you like, I look at like past records. I have to like add in the London game. Like, do I take one away or add one? I I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, <sighs> well, no segment this week. What's up? No boggy ball segment this week, huh? I guess uh, I guess we're going to have to let him focus on his old team. Well, my thing is, like I said, the ultimate boggy ball would come after Sunday. Like, there there are certainly, like, boggy balls to be had out there. Like, who, who, who would you rather have? The number one overall pick with three and a half sacks or – the number one, two overall pick with like a hundred and fifty million dollar contract in three sacks. What? It's easy. It, 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 if you follow data, it's easy. You did that so easily. There's balky balls out there to be had. Yeah, there's always there's always a balky ball. Like like they the the 49ers are paying Nick Bosa to like hopefully one day this year produce like Trayvon Walker. They got balky ball. Oh, if, if you, if you, and that's trade, why they're going to have to trade Brandon Ayuk because they just had uh, that big contract. There you go. Trent, was playing, there you go. Trent was playing the long con. He made sure not to draft a pass rusher after Aldon that panned out so the 49ers would have to pour resources into the pass rush so that when this Week 10 game came a decade after he got fired, they wouldn't have the money to have a quarterback. That's the ultimate bulky ball. Hmm. I, 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 <laughs> I implore somebody, like I said, they win. Jed York Photoshop, it's there. The the the, the favorites and the retweets are there to be had. I, I will not be doing it, but I'm just I'm just saying, man. It you you, you know he's gonna be up for this game. You, they, it's personal. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like I, the tagline of the bulky ball movie, like it's personal. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to see him pacing up and down the sidelines before the game. Uh, he's gonna be looking sharp. I'm a little upset. Sweet. I'm a little upset. It's Friday, and this is my first time thinking of calling this the bulky ball. The bulky ball. Well, we can still name the episode that. That'd be a good episode name. <laughs> the bulky ball. Good morning. Right. Welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> I and like even for him, like we did our segment the other day on like the best GMs. You'd say he's what, like the sixteenth or seventeenth best GM in the NFL. I think he's. It's fair to say he's an average general manager. Yeah, I think your average NFL fan would rank him probably bottom ten. So 
Maybe this is the week Trent Baalke gets his flowers a little Ooh, bit. Yeah. yeah. Was, did you did you say I I forget who I was reading that like Trent Baalke should have gotten consideration for executive of the year last year? Did you write that? I I can't tell you if I did. If I did, I might have it might have been a bit. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I read something that was like Pocky should have gotten executive of the year consideration last year. And I was like, honestly, yeah. They had like so many like free agent additions that like had to pan out and did. And like if, he had like, drafted well like two years before, and like there was key guys like uh Tyson and I guess Andre Sesco's been better this year, but like I, I think like there's an argument to be made. He should have at least been in the conversation. Like I, we never heard any conversations, and it's true that people were putting clown no- clown noses on their noses, uh, like eighteen months before that or whatever it was. But he's been uh, the architect. It's been in the lab. It is it a hot take to say like he probably would have won it if he drafted Hutchinson. Well, who did win? Like last people, year? people, people are always going to kill him for not taking much. Yeah, that's true. Like pe- people, are, people, all. Then again, executive of the year, Ryan Grigson won it one one time. So it, it's a it's a puff piece. It's a puff piece. Well, <laughs> Gus, you got anything else on the balky ball? No, nothing comes off the balky ball. No. Okay. Well. <laughs> Let's get out well, of here. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna try to edit that out. I hated that. Okay, okay. Well, we'll be back on Monday to review the game, see how things shake out. But until then, John Chipley, my co-host Gus Loeb, thank you guys for joining us. As always, don't forget, you just got masterclassed. <laughs>